1: Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Adam Holland. How you doing?
0: Doing well. Uh, uh, Excited about basketball season coming up and uh, yeah, kind of a barn burner of a game to talk about.
1: Yeah, you covered a thriller. Uh, uh, The men's basketball team uh, defeated uh, the University of Michigan in overtime on a uh you know, buzzer beater, you know, Jackson Shellstadt, the, the local hero, uh, you know, beats, Michigan yeah. was undefeated going into this, uh, into this game too, right? Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. They're, they're definitely no joke. And, um, I think what, what helped make it even more impressive is that we did it despite our, uh, our continuing health issues right now.
1: Uh, yeah. So no, um, no Nate Biddle, no Infante, Infale Dante, um, Like, it was, uh, you know, and and took them to the wire. You know, the thing that's really crazy is, like, Oregon, uh, uh, in, in terms of points in the paint, like, Oregon way outperformed Michigan in terms of points in the paint. Michigan only put up 28 points in the paint. Oregon put up 44. And, like, obviously a game that goes into overtime, like, all the, you know, uh, yeah, all, all the stats in absolute terms are going to be inflated a bit because they played extra minutes. But, but when you use a comparative stat like that, like holding mm-hmm. Michigan to only 28 points in the paint, like without a couple of bigs, you know, like, you know, Oregon did a, did an excellent job, like, uh, uh keeping them, uh, you know, uh, basically forcing Michigan to shoot perimeter shots. Now, Michigan shot from the perimeter very well. You know they they shot you know forty two percent from the three point arc. Uh, Yeah, but but Oregon shot even half. Yeah, definitely. Um, But Oregon shot even better. Oregon shot sixty two percent from the three point line. Like I I mean you know obviously Shellstat hit the game winner. But I love to see it. It's
0: such a breath of fresh air after the last few
1: years. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But like, uh, you know, Kwame Evans hit hit, hit his, uh, Cousinard was three for five uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, Brenner Rigsby, uh, you know, was three for three from beyond the arc. He was eight for 12 on the night. Um, like Rigsby of all people, like, first of all, I think, was this his first career start? As far as
0: I know, yes. Um, I don't have a whole lot of information on, on what he was doing down in junior college as far as Starting, but like
1: I mean, I, I meant I know for, Oregon, for a fact that this like, was
0: his first start on this one. Oh, for Oregon, yeah, definitely for Oregon.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, led Oregon uh, with 19 points. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Doug Daniel for for Michigan led all scorers with 33 because you know everything for Michigan goes through that guy. But like, uh, other than him, you know, Rigsby has the has the most points in the game for for anybody except for McDaniel. You know, like Rigsby really went off in, the, you know. That's what we've been talking about, you know, yeah. it, it, with basketball. Well, you know, rigsby has been many, very very you know, when you when you have this many, you know, people out, you know, people got to step up, you know, and like having a bench player a start and then b, you know, lead the team. Yeah, you know, that's what you need. He's a he's
0: a he's a huge boost to the team. I've really really liked what I've seen from Rigsby so far this season. And uh definitely like, you know, Kwame Evans having to step up as a as a true freshman in the post with Biddle and Dante out. Um, all this is going to do is just benefit Oregon down the line. Uh they're 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 going to get if there's ever a time to be unhealthy, you know, you don't ever really want to be unhealthy, but if there's going to be like a time to be unhealthy, it's 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 right now uh, because then when you head into conference play, you know, final season in the Pac-12, uh, especially, you know, you, you have the huge matchups against like UCLA and Arizona as always, you know, plus, uh, you know, a bevy of other ones. Uh, if you have a fully healthy team uh, that already has, you know, these guys that have stepped up in the place of the, of the of the starters, then that becomes like a scenario where you're really looking at just like a lot of depth. And um, like I said, Riggs, Rigsby brings depth. He brings strength, shooting uh he you know he brings highlight dunks I, sometimes i feel like I'm, I'm i'm watching fred jones back out there
1: uh yeah we had fred jones in the in the lead art of, of an article a little while ago and like people were like who's this guy and I'm like oh my god I did not know fred jones for the oh, <laughs> um uh uh mojave uh diawara uh got the start um he uh, uh although there was such a rotation you know he only played 25 minutes um basically everybody you know with the exception of james cooper like everybody who was available played at least 20 minutes um you know, in this game, uh, and everybody contributed at least a little something, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew, I guess I was a little surprised, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew, you know, played 22 minutes and only scored two points. It was a little, you know, a little disappointed in him, but like, other than that, like, you know, everybody chipped in a little something. Jadrian Tracy, you know, chipped in eight points, you know, Aquendo, you know, went five for eight, you know, from the floor, um, or, uh, and three for four from the charity stripe, you know, uh, uh, for, for 13 points. Um, you know, you, you already mentioned Kwame Evans, you know, got the start as a freshman, you know, played 24 minutes. Like, yeah, you know, dude, dude's got to step up. Kwame Evans is a true freshman, you know, comes in, starts, gets nine points.
0: Yeah, um he looks he looks solid and that's and that's exactly why we you know went out and got these um these blue chippers because you know when you don't have uh the full health of a lot of the people that you're used to relying on then you have to have the young and step in and do their thing and so watching the performances of Shellstad and uh Evans was was definitely definitely uh a, you know upbeat thing to see because when you have like that that fully functioning team, then you have these you know young stars, especially like seeing you know kind of like Shellstab come into his own in this in this game. Uh, I know we didn't get to see him right off the bat in the season, but um, seeing him seeing him come through in clutch moments like that, and and just seeing his ability to to, to get to the to the hoop as you know maybe like a, a six foot six one at best point guard. Um, that that was impressive stuff. Um, I, I really like how he can, he can drive and take it inside because I know that was something that last season we were talking a lot about, um, you know, with, with Oregon shooting woes, luckily so far this year, they haven't had those kind of shooting woes. And, uh, but I think maybe part of that is because they've been attacking the hoop. And, uh, um, you know, we said they weren't doing nearly enough of that before. It really looks like, um, At least early on, you know, it's only been a few games, but it seems like this team is kind of like taking the initiative to correct uh, a lot of the areas that last year's team was kind of coming up.
1: Well, I definitely like that they're playing like Oregon was keeping Michigan, Uh, you know, not necessarily foul trouble, but just like. You know, because I don't think they had anybody foul out. I don't think they they had anybody even go to, like, five fouls. But, like, you know, I, I think they finished the game with, like, you know, five players with three-plus fouls, you know, because, like, Oregon was playing in the paint, you know, whereas Oregon only had, like, a couple of players with, with a couple fouls, you know, because Michigan was staying in the perimeter. You know, like, o- Oregon basically, Oregon was taking the ball to the iron and Oregon was keeping Michigan away from the iron, which is like that, you know, a, that is how you win, you know, playoff basketball, you know, like you're, you're not winning playoff basketball, you know, at the perimeter you're winning it, you know, uh, on the inside and B, like, that's the hardest thing to do with a young team. You know uh, it's, it's the vets who muscle it, you know, Download. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah.
0: Gun. You know, uh, the vets. You know, will will generally be the ones that will want to slow down the game a little bit more. Kind of. You know, once once they have. uh You know, Dante back and Biddle back, it may become a little bit more that way. But um, it's nice to see that the the younger players are taking the initiative to already kind of get that started because we have a game plan. We know what we want to do here. Uh, This is this is how we're going to try and execute. And so if you're already executing that way, minus, you know, two twin towers down in the post, then that's only going to, you know, benefit you later on when you have them, because then you have people attacking the hoop and then you can have, you know, cleanup duty for the seven footers or lobs or, you know, like inside feeds, all kinds of stuff. So it's already benefiting them from that angle. And then it'll continue to open up the perimeter, is what it'll do. Because, you know, attacking the hoop draws the defense in, defense is drawn in, people are going to be open. It's kind of a, you know, a tale as old as time in basketball, at least.
1: Yeah. Did you, last thing I want to talk about, you know, it, it seemed very clear that Oregon was having, like, a, I mean, like, definitely just looking at the box score, or, or you know, Oregon had 13 fast break points, Michigan had one fast break point. I don't even know how you get one fast break point. I guess they went on a fast break, didn't get the basket, got fouled and missed one of them, one of the free throws. Uh, I, I thought that I was watching, you know, Oregon just have a decided athletic advantage over Michigan. Do, do you think that you were seeing the same thing?
0: You could you could definitely see um, the advantage Oregon had. Um, they, you know, they were longer, they were faster, they were um, able to get up and down the floor better. And like I said, you know, right now you're missing some pieces, you're missing some size. Um, but then the, like the streakiness and, and, and the length and athleticism still comes into play. Um, definitely makes you look forward to, you know, potentially Mookie Cook making his debut soon, um, seeing how he fits into that. Uh, you know, you have another kind of like a like a like a rangy forward there. Um, who can, you know, get, get on the perimeter defense and whatnot. Uh perimeter defense is gonna be absolutely huge. We already know that Oregon has a couple, you know, seven footers in there to protect the rims, um, you know, as long as, as Dante and Diddle are healthy. Uh the big thing is gonna be, you know, protecting the perimeter, uh playing man defense. But are you- even in the zone, you know, being, being able to kind of like switch out. Oh, yeah, um, so having these long athletic defenders and, you know, that's, that's one thing I was talking about kind of in the opener, you know, a lot was, it was just some of the, like the peskiness of the perimeter defenders. That's going to be a huge advantage.
1: Well, the other thing I'm thinking about, you know, maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself is like, you know, Hey, Michigan is like one of the best of the big, you know, versions of the typical big 10 team. Like, Which Oregon is going to switch conferences and go play starting in the 24 25 season? Like, think about all those uh, big Midwestern corn fed farm boys, uh, you know, which are just like inferior versions of this team, you know, that Oregon's going to be running circles around. You know, like they they don't, they're not going to be having to play, you know, a bunch of like athletic, you know, West Coast teams, you know, that they're going to be playing like, michigan lights <laughs> you know uh you know for in 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 what's going to be their conference games you know and like i don't know 16 of their games something like that uh next year like you think you think dane alton's licking his chops at that sort of thing
0: yeah i think that that could definitely be a decided advantage um switching conferences next year uh, it's, it's definitely a, a different style of play i mean You see it in in football, you see it in basketball. You know, it's kind of like bigger, sturdier, kind of like, you know, grind it out kind of guys in the Big Ten. Um, But they're, yeah, they're not used to the kind of athleticism and speed uh, that that Oregon's going to bring on the floor. Um, I think, you know, when you look also at like, you know, still having to battle out UCLA um, it's great that we can keep kind of like that rivalry going in basketball. It's unfortunate that we'll, you know, we'll lose that great rivalry that we had going with Arizona, uh, because between Oregon and Arizona the, that's turned into like a, a heck of a battle over the last, you know, decade or so. Um, but yeah, still having the kind of like that 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 uh, you know showdown with UCLA, you know, the West Coast supremacy and whatnot. Should be a lot of fun, um, and and I definitely think, like what you said, is true, that their speed and athleticism can take advantage of kind of like the slower uh, pace that some of these Big Ten teams like to play at.
1: Uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some football. So the uh, college football playoff committee announced uh, how the uh, the – the four teams in the playoff will be seated and, uh, where Oregon is going for the New York near six bowl. Uh, Adam, you had some thoughts on the matter, uh, which you published on Monday, uh, unscheduled. I, <laughs> we didn't have you marked down for it. It's at some point we'll learn how schedules work <laughs> around addicted the, the quack. Uh, but you burst through with some incendiary thoughts. What, uh, Uh, apparently you were so, so yeah, um, yeah, I I dropped
0: the ball. I dropped the ball on that one, but I think I was, you you dropped more than the ball, man. You dropped uh, the bomb. So
1: like, yeah, let's (laughs) hear it, man. Like, what what, what were your thoughts on this? (laughs) Oh, OK. Well, my thoughts are um,
0: essentially, I mean, you know, of course, like everyone else, I was frustrated that we that we couldn't uh, you know, pull this one out against Washington. It it was kind of like eerily similar to the last game in which, you know, if you if you just think that maybe like, you know, a few more things bounce our way or this or that doesn't happen, then we probably have it in the bag. Um, I, it started to make me think, you know, seeing this happen for the third straight uh, game in a row that maybe Washington, at least this particular version of Washington, is just kind of like a bad matchup for us. Um, we we seem to just have trouble like closing out games against them. You know, you can always try to, you know, stack it up to one thing or another, but it just it 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 just doesn't seem like the best matchup for Oregon. It's frustrating because like they're our most hated rival and whatnot. Uh, but they did what they needed to do to get it done. Um, You can't fall down 20 to three against a team like that. That was, that was so, you know, kudos to Oregon for, for rallying, for, for, for coming back, um, for almost getting it, you know, almost stealing the game. Uh, But the the fact of the matter is, is that as soon as uh, Georgia lost to Alabama, any any hope that Oregon had of making the playoff would have been gone anyway. Um, And I truly believe that. Uh, So we, we, you know, we, one or more things could have bounced our way and we, you know, could have topped Washington, still wouldn't be in the playoff. I, I hate to say it, but it's, you know, I think when you just look at the fact that Florida State, you know, because you're, you're, you're looking at conference strength and it's, it's well known that everyone considers, you know, like the, the big 10 and the SEC to be kind of like the top dogs. And then, you know, kind of like the big 12 after that. And then maybe like, you know, the, the, the pack 12, and then following it with the ACCs, you know, at least in real, Recent years, um, you know, minus Clemson or with all their national, you know, relevancy has kind of been like the, um, the 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 weaker one. And so I think when you're looking at that and you're looking at the fact that Florida State, you know, went undefeated and, you know, just, just played lights out on defense, a conference champion, everything, and we're still excluded. Um, I, I don't like to think that Oregon would have had that great of a chance with one loss. Uh, because even if they had defeated Washington and become conference champs, I think they would have, uh, you know, narrowed it back to well. But they lost to Washington too, so really it was just kind of like you know, like a you know, a one-one kind of thing. And then, um, it, like I said, uh, you, you heard you know Kirby Smart making the argument, oh, well, it's, it's supposed to be the you know the four best teams or whatever. I mean, you know, he can he can he can whine about it if he wants. I mean, Washington's the one that was was twelve and zero, and he was not, and, and they were the ones that were conference champions, and he was not. And um, you know, but then when it comes down to a, a thing where you're you're looking at a Pac-12 team that has one loss as opposed to an undefeated Pac-12 team, I, I can't say for sure that his argument doesn't stand. And they're just like, well, Georgia was number one most of the season, so maybe they should just get in instead of Oregon.
1: There's so many
0: factors that go into it. Um, but it's just frustrating. It's, it's, it's frustrating to, to see, you know, the reality of, of, of Oregon being able to get into the playoff where it's just like most likely, especially this year, we were fortunate enough in 2014 to be able to make it in. Uh, but especially this year, like even, even playing as well as we did the second half of the season, I think they, they, they just, they would have held that one loss over our heads and, and, and tried to be like, well, maybe Texas are. You know, Georgia or Ohio State are a better one loss team than Oregon. So that was kind of my take on it. Uh it's a, you know, it's a it's what do you, a frustrating thing. top I'm trying, four trying to get, end. you know, psyched up to for the Fiesta bowl. Um to be p- perfectly honest, I think if Oregon had defeated uh had defeated Washington, then neither Oregon or Washington would get in and I do think would have gotten in. I think they would have just looked at the okay. fact that Georgia so who- was like the two-time defending national champion. I think they would have looked at the fact that they
1: were. So you think they would have gone with? Two, um, I think it it, two it would
0: it would be uh, the same. I do. I do. Yeah. I <laughs> because I think and who, the, 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 the so bias. Who would is be real. the fourth team? Would they, just,
1: would they go with with Florida State or Texas?
0: Um, that one's that's tricky. Um, um because then you're talking about you know like. Florida State is the only other undefeated team besides Michigan. So then it's kind now, of like I tough. Where, we
1: already know that they 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 left out Florida. Liking, you know, I guess you in your scenario, for, then, where they're going with two you not know, teams. Have so I guess you're saying it's it's Michigan, Texas, and yeah, two SEC teams. So so in your opinion, what happened most was that if it, Washington if you're, if you're took me. Georgia's spot by beating Oregon, but Oregon wouldn't have taken Georgia's spot they would have they would have put your argument is they would have put a one loss conference non champ in Georgia uh ahead of undefeated Florida State. We in fact and they would have put that team, that Georgia team ahead of a one loss conference champ, Oregon. That's that's an interesting argument. I I, I don't know that well, I buy I think, it. I but mean, like Almost. I mean, I, I, I mean, think they already. I mean, the the fact that they I, left I, out I think my State, argument
0: is that. Yeah. It, I, I think that it would have been either Florida State or Georgia that would have gotten in ahead of Oregon, uh, because of like I said, you you could they would point at you know Georgia having the tougher schedule. Uh, they would point to you know Oregon's you know lost to Washington. And then they would point to Florida State being undefeated and they could hold that over Oregon's head. You can't, Florida State can't hold that over Washington's head because Washington has zero losses too. But if you looked at Oregon as the conference champ with one loss, then they could be like, well, well Florida State's the conference champ and they have no losses. So mm-hmm. that, I think that's my argument is that it, at least to me, I think that it would have been either Florida State or Georgia ahead of Oregon. Only way I see that changing is if Oregon demolished Washington, like if they won by at least twenty points. And just unfortunately, I don't think that was ever going to happen, just because of the fact that, like I said, I just it, it just doesn't seem like we match up super well against them.
1: Actually, like I, uh, uh, I mean, the thing that's crazy about this game, I don't know. We already recorded a podcast about it, but, uh, so I I don't I'm not really interested in relitigating it. Like the. I mean, I think what you started out saying about how, like, it's funny because the first two, you know, of the de deboer games are, are, like, arguably Oregon outplayed Washington and then just sort of stuff happened. Um, but then this game wasn't like that. You know, I think sort of Oregon went into it with a bad game plan offensively. And then Washington turned out. I mean, the crazy thing is that the the reason that Washington looked like crap over the last six weeks was that clearly Penix had some sort of physical ailment. And like, because that team is so one dimensional, like it lives and dies by Michael Penix. And then him being like, not at a hundred percent, like that was it. But you know, but like, it's as simple as that. And then also as simple as that, although completely baffling and no one can explain how it happened. Cause it's like a flippant miracle. Uh, is that he gets totally healthy, which, like, I don't want to sound, like, resentful of, because I'm, uh, like, genuinely good for him, like, uh, kids don't deserve to be hurt, like, or or, or sick, or, or whatever the issue is, like, it's just that, like, it's, it's such, you know, since my job is to sort of, is to predict, or, or to, to observe how teams are performing, and then, Say you know, therefore, you know, based on this trajectory, this is how I think they're going to perform in their next game, and then when they don't, I sort of have egg on my face, you know, but it's like you know that's why Vegas set the line the way that they did, and that the and the line, if anything, the way that you know public money was coming down on or the sharp money was coming down on it, was causing the line to go up, you know like you, you know it 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 initially came in at nine and it climbed to ten um you know, because no one in the universe was expecting Penix to get, like, to suddenly become accurate again. Like, it was crazy. And then, you know, and then Washington supplemented it with you know, uh, with, with a run game in which they were willing to just, you know, run three yards, you know, it wasn't like the biggest deal in the world, but like Oregon couldn't afford to put an extra dude in the, you know, the way that they like, you know, they, they shut down Oregon state's, you know, running game because they were willing to play like, you know, a, 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 you know, you know, pretty heavy, not, not heavy like extra like seven dudes or anything but like you know super heavy personnel you know by which i mean like two nose tackles birch and doorless and then oregon couldn't do that because birch was out and then also they need to defend the pass because like the pass was you know lethal for for washington so it's like you're sort of right about the matchup because oregon doesn't really have good safeties and coverage and hasn't since mckinley and holland went to the nfl and like I guess that's also sort of why I'm not really shedding a, a big tear about Oregon not making it to the playoffs because I don't really think Oregon is, a, you know, that I, I've always been a four team playoff proponent because I've always thought that you ought to be good enough to be clearly one of the top four teams. Like, uh, like, uh, in my opinion, the only team that really deserves to be in the playoffs is Michigan and everybody else is just sort of fighting uh, about, like, it, 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 you know, is fighting for, a, uh, you know, a lesser spot, you know, at the table. But, uh, like, you, you ought to make it clear, yeah. you know, like, and, and no other team really made it clear, and that's why there's so much, like, fighting and shouting, but it's like, if you're fighting and shouting about a spot, you know, who's not fighting and shouting about a spot is Michigan, you know, because, like, they, they left no doubt. You know, and it's like Oregon left a doubt and and so therefore I'm not sort of shedding tears. Like if Michigan were left out, I'd be screaming and pounding the table. I mean, not I which is I know kind of ironic because of the whole cheating scandal Mm. and everything. And like their coach missed half of the season with two different cheating scandals, which is hilarious. But like uh you know, that's a team that left no doubt you know
0: i mean you you throw it back to you know the last time oregon did make the playoff and it 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 looked like it was kind of unwinding in a similar way it looked like it was like okay they had this one like real tough like upsetting loss where they probably should have won they were the better team they gave it away and then you know after that they just lit a new fire and just played better and better and better each week and you know this all of a sudden started you know like like rolling towards the yeah. uh, the conference championship game but then the difference is in in 2014 not only did they exact revenge but they 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 beat the holy hell out of Arizona they just clobbered them and yeah. left and like you just said they left absolutely no doubt they were like no we are a playoff team and we just showed it the one team that was lucky enough to you know get by us we just destroyed them and so i think honestly that would have been the only way to do it we would have had to like really just Pound and embarrass Washington, and just like you said, with a healthy Penix, I, I just I, I don't I don't know if anybody can embarrass Washington that much because they're just going they're going to put up points with that passing attack. They're going to. Yeah.
1: I mean, like I said, I don't want to relitigate that particular game. It, it was a game in which Oregon, in which that outcome was a possibility if Washington was still in that shape. Like, that was a realistic possibility. It's just, as soon as they're not in that shape, then it's not. Like, that was going to be a tight game. I, I don't know what I think about, you know, the uh, about, you know, what would have happened. I, t- personally, I disagree with you. I think probably Oregon wins that game, even in a tight game in that they're in. But, like, look, man, I, I guess the way that I, I you know, I, I think about it is that, like, you know, leave no doubt. You know, and that every one of those teams that's affected, you know, except for Michigan, like there's a doubt, there's an argument, there's a, there's a, you know, every single one of them, you know, Washington, Florida State, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, uh, 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 every single, and Oregon, every single one of those teams, even though if you look at like advanced metrics it's actually kind of funny the four teams that are not playing in the playoffs are all according to advance and ohio state is you know those eight teams let me recapitulate the four the four top teams in advance metrics are oregon georgia ohio state and florida state. isn't that funny those are the four teams that aren't in the playoffs yeah. and the next four teams in so i in think advanced that's, metrics yeah. are, Are are Washington, Texas, Alabama, and Michigan, and those are the four teams that are in the playoffs. Now, the reason for that is that advanced metrics don't see things like Jordan Travis, you know, Florida State's quarterback being, you know, hurt, which is sort of the reason why the committee left them out. Is they think that that Florida State's going to get slaughtered, and also they think that the ACC is a joke.
0: It is the reason.
1: I mean, yeah. Um, well, and also they're not taking ACC's strength of schedules series. Uh, and the, the, the advanced metrics also don't, you know, don't understand that, that Penix is healthy again. You know, that's why they downgrade Washington because they're, t- they take seriously the poor performance that Washington has been turning in, in their wins, you know, in weeks eight through 13. Um, Uh, but they don't understand that now that team is back to fully healthy. Oh, and it's more than just Penix. There's a, there's a couple other players that are relevant to like, you know, a couple of their safeties had been injured, but now they're back a couple of their defensive linemen. I don't want to, you know, have to recite all of it, but like they're back to full health now. Advanced stats don't know that. Um, Uh, So that's why, you know, like this version of Washington probably Mm -hmm. is a top four team, but like their entire body of work in which like, you know, they had to deal with a lot of, you know, injuries or or some, you know, health problems. They won't tell us what they are, but like it was obvious on film that Penix was dealing with some sort of. Ailment, and it was also yeah. obvious on film that several of their players, who were like their most impactful of uh, defensive linemen, were on pitch counts. Um, uh, uh, you know, advanced stats don't know that those guys were. But I think a that limited um, availability. I, I think but that, now they aren't. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: and I think I think that, like I said, it's not just not making the playoff, but it's 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 kind of like you know, and and again, I'm I'm not taking shots at liberty or whatever you know they they've set it up so that you know one of those you know like non-power five conferences gets an automatic bid um you know they did it with tulane last year and tulane beat usc so it's it's not like it's unfair or anything uh but just i think it's just the disappoint the double disappointment not only of not being able to beat washington and finally not being able to kind of like overcome that hurdle of beating them uh, uh, but then you know, not having a Fiesta Bowl where it's like, oh yeah, man, we're we're facing someone big time. We're we're facing an Ohio State. We're you know, we're we're facing like you know, like LSU or something. We're you know, it's it's just kind of like, oh, so that's how it ends, you know? It's just kind of like, yeah, we lost to Washington, and our reward is to go to the Fiesta Bowl and play a team that we're probably just going to absolutely mutilate. And I think that is where a lot of the frustration comes in because at least. A lot of times, when you you know you're right there and you have that chance, but you don't quite get it, then you're like, okay, but we still got one more big time matchup left. You know, you, you saw that with Joey Harrington's last game. You saw that in Marcus Mariota's freshman season. Uh, you saw that you know with with Darren Thomas during his last season. Is that like, despite all you know the the not not quite getting a chance at the title, you still had that big time matchup in that big time bowl. And the Fiesta Bowl is a big time bowl, but unfortunately, the matchup is not a big time matchup.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, look, I mean, I, have sort of assembled the preliminary data on Liberty. We'll be talking more about them, you know, later. It's a weird matchup in that, like they, well, here, I'll just give a little preliminary. I, I don't think it's disrespectful. For the committee to appear because as you say they they had to you know it's part of the, the the agreement that everybody made you know when they formed the 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 playoff back in 2014 was the, the g5 you know got a spot and oregon just drew you know that match and i guess it just you know if you want to view it as oregon drawing the short straw and just like the cosmic you know the cosmic force is just like kicking Oregon in the ribs, I guess, like that, you know, that this sort of happens and it's probably, you're probably right. It's probably the case that like, you know, Oregon just so outclasses this roster that, you know, the, the, you know, where the biggest danger to Oregon is Oregon just sort of sleepwalking through it because they don't want to be there, you know, because they feel it's an overmatched opponent and then, you, you know, overmatched opponents have a way of, you know, playing up because they feel different Disrespected, you know what I mean? Like, you know, what does what Oregon like to say that, or you know, Oregon's biggest opponent is Oregon, yeah, you know? Absolutely, like, you saw it you know, last year with Lane. But, like, so the first thing I do before I start charting the film is that I, I assemble the player database so that I know who I'm looking at. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, you know, I, I got that done the other day. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, thing that's, the thing about Liberty is that, like, you know, so the first thing that I do in order to make sure that I'm looking at the right guys is I go through the 247 player database and import it into my own. And like the 247 database yeah. is really hard to scour if they haven't, if your team is made up of dudes who aren't rated by 247. And Liberty's team is, their 85 man roster is largely made up of dudes who are not rated by 247. And when I say rated by 247, I don't just mean. 247 itself, the composite is all of the services, which means nobody, not rivals or ESPN, not on three, nobody has like, so there's only 31 dudes on their entire roster that anybody has given any kind of rating to at all. It was 37, but six of them left after the, uh, the conference title game against New Mexico State. Um, it's like, yeah, man, now like they're, they're, you know, those 31 guys are like some mid three stars that they even have, like, I think two, like four stars, including the quarterback who's like, you know, Salter, the the dude from Tennessee, um, who's like their everything. Um, but it's like, yeah, you know, Oregon has more than 31 dudes who are rated by two four seven. Like, I guess I'll put it that way, you know, like. You, you are. There is no the it, like. Forget the New Year, New Year Six. There's no bull matchup period in which there's a bigger disparity between on paper roster talent than these two teams. And that's without watching a second of film. That's without you know saying anything about the coaches or the schemes or the motivations of the players. I'm just saying, you know. On paper, because I've got, I can put the two databases, you know, roster databases side by side. It's one end of the spectrum. You know, Oregon is one of the top five most talented teams in college football. And Liberty is on the other end of the spectrum. You know, for teams that made a bowl, they're on the other end of the spectrum and like but, it were i mean obviously there are other g5 teams that made yeah, a that's, bowl, that's but none like of them is. that are playing a top five team you know in your talent like they're they're all playing in the like the, the, the bahamas bowl you know and like the, yeah the, the exactly so December,
0: it's you know. just it's just the ta- the talent disparity. That's that's just kind of what. Which is not to say it that it that's totally insurmountable, but it's like
1: it. It's to your it's to your point, Adam. Like that that you know, like that's the if this is a regular season game against like you know if this is if this is Hawaii, you know, like that was also true when Oregon played Hawaii in Week Three, right? where there was a huge, you know, and so what did Oregon do to Hawaii? They ran them off the field. Well, that's because all their goals were ahead of them and they took that game seriously. Right. Like, you know, and that was a game with lots of, you know, mutual respect and there's, you know, Oregon has a lot of ties to Hawaii, right? Like that, that game's played in the right way. And so Oregon's not overlooking them or or treating that in a bad way. There's lots of different ways where Oregon can beat Oregon, given the nature of this game. And I think that's what sort of what your article was about is the sort of like oh you got to be kidding me you know whole aspect of it all you know and that's sort of what mm-hmm. you know that that was my takeaway from your yeah. article was sort you of like you got yeah, to be kidding that,
0: me uh, yeah 100% and it's just i i think it was everybody's reaction because you know then then you know the only way for Oregon to really get challenged is if they don't take it is if they're just kind of like pissed off about not being able to get over the hump against Washington, and you know, pissed off about drawing that short straw, where the, you know the Fiesta Bowl just happened to be the one that had like the first selection and the last selection, so they got like the best available team that wasn't in the playoff, and you know, the worst available team that they could possibly you know, pick because they they had to pick them.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, sort of. You know, I I, I don't i to say it, 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 the the this. The silver lining is, Bo Nix has said he's going to play, uh, or Dan Landing has passed that along anyway. Um, so he gets to go out um, in what will hopefully be a blaze of glory. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, yeah. I think I think he that did, guy he probably, deserves he deserves nothing less. I, I think that guy probably has his head screwed on straight, um, and I think that guy's probably a pretty good team leader. And uh, if you need somebody in the locker room to like get guys up and and to you know convince them to say you know let's let's end our season right you know like we've had ups and downs and, and let's not yeah. let's not let these guys beat us three times <laughs> um, uh, you know let's go out with a win especially given that there's you know I, I you know not to get too much yeah. into the reasons for why this would be but I feel like there's a lot of people around the country who are going to be rooting for Oregon's game. Um, and, uh, and, and it, it, it'd be, it'd be nice to have the wind hit yeah. the ducks backs for a change. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about some, uh, potentially interesting transfer portal news. you wrote on Wednesday uh, was about uh, the potential for Dylan Gabriel, uh, the quarterback at Oklahoma and before that UCF uh, to transfer to Oregon. Um, uh, there has been a lot of reports that have linked him to Oregon as well as, you know, some other quarterbacks as well. Um, you know, obviously Bo Nix has finally extinguished his eligibility and, uh, well, Oregon has some, you know, prep recruits, you know, uh, quite a few, uh, it, it is always good to have, you know, an old man in the room, um, y- you know, uh, uh, hell Bo Nix, you know, took him pretty far, um what do you, what do you think about Gabriel? You think it's a good idea?
0: Um, I think that, uh, yeah, as, as long as he's on board and he wants to come here, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad about that at all. Um, I did, you know, some film review of him, um, you know, probably not nearly to the depth that you would do, but I, you know, I'd, I'd watched about 10, 15 minutes of, of, of tape, especially, you know, of this past year and everything. And, um, yeah, what I like about him, and I I, I noted this in, in my article, is that his his kind of reminds me a little bit of of Vernon Adams Jr. Um, he may not be quite the Houdini that Adams was as far as escapability, but he's a very shifty guy on the field because he's a smaller guy and he has a very fast release, similar to Penix, a fast release with that left arm. And so, um, yeah, when, you know, w- watching some of his highlights and everything. It looked like you know it just with with the skill position players that Oregon has uh, that he could be a good fit. Now again, this is just reports and everything that he's that he's taking a visit to Oregon maybe this coming week. Uh, Once that's confirmed, we can go from there. You know, it's not like he's he's stood up and said, "Hey, I'm going to Oregon and put on the hat and everything like that." But um, you you knew Oregon was going to come into play for the transfer portal just because of like the fact that you said that Nix is finally exhausted his eligibility and, you know, they have some, some, some nice prep recruits underneath him, but nobody that's really had like significant college experience who has like shown the ability to start and play and, you know, the collegiate level. And so that's, that's just, you know, this day and age, that's what the transfer portal is all about, you know, finding a spot for everybody, uh, finding playing time and finding some national relevancy. And obviously, um, even at Oklahoma, um, you know, Gabriel must have must must be you know considering. Hey, I might be able to shine even brighter. There might be a place where I can be even more productive. There may be an offense that maybe fits me even even better. And um, I think that maybe kind of like watching some of Nick's, who has a you know a similar game as far as a, like Nick's isn't a huge quarterback. You know, he's a, as far as quarterbacks go, he's on the on the smaller end of it. And and but he's you know extremely shifty has, you know, a, a rocket arm and everything like that, and just how that fit in to Oregon's offense. With all these weapons coming back, you know, he may have looked at that and been like, wow, you know, I could, I, I could see myself there. I could plug myself into that. And that's, you know, a, a, a nice fit for me.
1: No secret that my, uh, my preference is Dante Moore uh, out of, you know, um, simply because, you know, I, in terms of his talent, feeling like i i think that guy is like you know I, I think that guy will win you a national championship like maybe not in 2024 but like i sort of think that 2024 is sort of a reloading year for oregon but like that that guy's a national championship 2025 guy um like his talent ceiling is like it's yeah that that dude's the truth um now it's going to take some development and like i really think he made a mistake going to ucla in fact i i was writing about that pretty extensively before i knew he was getting in the portal although what i was writing about was basically this dude's going to get in the portal because this was a big mistake and then hey guess what uh not bad at this um the uh uh, but having said that, like if if that's not going to happen, or if Oregon doesn't want to take a developmental. If they're, if the transfer guy that they take, they don't want to take as a developmental guy, you know, who's younger in order to compete with the younger guys that they already have, but rather they want to take like a grad guy to go on top while other dudes are developing or as a safety net. Um, then it's a Gabriel versus Cam Ward competition. And basically with the film that I've watched, I greatly prefer Dylan Gabriel to Cam Ward, not because I think that Cam Ward can't be good, but because, like, basically, my, what what I, my, from watching so much Cam Ward, what I think is basically, I'm going to wind up talking more about Cameron Ward than I am going to talk about Dylan Gabriel, which is weird because you wrote an article about Dylan Gabriel, so please forgive me for, for that but it's the counterpoint to the article that you wrote so cameron word uh started out (laughs) at the fcs level his his head coach at uh incarnate word was eric morris eric morris comes off of the uh cliff kingsbury uh texas tech and by way of mike leach uh, uh uh air raid passing tree um and it's also related to a bunch of other guys with which Oregon has had connections to and conf, or games against recently. Um, it's this whole ball of wax that I've been studying and which is why I'm pretty intimately familiar with it. If this sounds like, wow, this is a crazy amount of depth of knowledge. It's not, I didn't all get it for cam Ward. It's for a bunch of other projects. They all just happen to intersect. Anyway, the, um, uh, uh, the, because the air raid tends to be a very short passing system, some, some people tend to think it's a, it's a long bomb passing system. It's not. It's because uh, there are, there are a couple of, of, of coaches who did that. With it, and but and that it sort of infected everybody's brains that that's what it is, but it's not. That's like the exception. The in, in the vast majority of air raid systems, it's the super short passing. Um, and uh, and so basically, his throwing motion was just terrible. Like in, and he could not. You know, hit all aspects of the field. Um, he couldn't throw it deep. He couldn't even really throw it intermediate, but he his throwing motion was adequate to get the ball out quick on all those little short passes. And Eric Morris, his coach, was signed off on this. And I was just like, this is malpractice. This is not cool. You are taking a dude who potentially has NFL talent and you are failing to develop it because you were like, well, whatever, this is good enough. I, like, I, I don't need to do my job and, and correct your throwing motion. And so for like the two years that he's at Incarnate Word and then the year that he goes with him um, to be the offensive coordinator at Wazoo, all of that time this time he could have been working with him and developing him into an actual potential NFL quarterback with a real throwing motion so that he can hit, you know, paint the field and he doesn't do it. And so I'm like, Eric Moore's boo, like, you know, I, I yeah. like he should go to football jail like that's malpractice. Um, so then. Uh, Eric Morris gets the uh, North Texas job. They bring in a new quarterbacks coach, you know, Ben Arbuckle and all the reports out of Wazoo is that Arbuckle and the new, uh, who's the OC slash quarterbacks coach, uh, hires like a uh, like a private or has him hire a private quarterbacks coach and they're working like the Dickens over the off season to act to, now this is late, it's real late in his career but to correct his throwing motion and, and I was like, I was really discounting those reports. I didn't think it was going to happen. But then, lo and behold, he comes out, and he's actually doing it. He's throwing, like, a real quarterback. And I'm like, oh my god, he did. Oh my god, this is crazy. But, here's the thing, is that he 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 doesn't, he hasn't natural to him yet. So, like, he... he like under pressure and stuff, like he reverts, he reverts to the bad old throwing motion. And that's where you can see him like when he's scrambling and, uh, and, 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 stuff like make mistakes. And that's why he's so inconsistent. But if you give him good pocket protection and he sets up and he, rem- you can see him like, you can see him like calculating in his head, like remembering his throwing lessons for like, okay, I plant my foot, I transfer my weight, I, I point my hips, I rotate my shoulders and put it and then he drops this bomb and he will throw gorgeous downfield passes because he has that ability if he like remembers his piano lessons. I mean, his throwing lessons, right? But it's like he needs another 10,000 hours of doing that. <laughs> That, that's the thing. That's where he's at. Like he has the aptitude, yeah. but he was like trained wrong for three years. And, and if he, if he, if he wants to be yeah, like bro. a real high level quarterback at a team like Oregon and potentially go to the NFL teams got to know that like, you need to really work with him for like 10,000 hours to make that natural for him because he ain't going to be coming to an air raid short pass yeah. offense like and on the so that's what i you know essentially
0: like an old man yeah yeah essentially like an old man uh old man veteran quarterback who's also a developmental
1: i know exactly that's a great way of putting it adam so like that's the thing is that he's kind of a project which is like the thing about gabriel is that He's much closer to being like a finished project, which is what you are looking for in a grad transfer quarterback. Like is the guy that like I don't have to worry about yeah. this guy. You know? And it, with Word, it's like you do have to worry. No, and that's, so that's you know, why that's why like what
0: happened that. when we got Adams and Adams and Nick's, you know, is that like they already Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like you didn't have Adams to Adams and Nick's like, had it's already shown kind of, Yeah, yeah. It, it's not that they didn't have their foibles yeah, or flaws, but, you know. Or we, you know, it's not like you know we were talking about the second coming of of of, of, of you know Steve Young or something, or or Tom Brady or John Elway yeah. or something. You know, like it's it's not that they were perfect. It's that you didn't have to worry. No, about but they them. they reached their peak
0: at or, at Oregon.
1: Yeah. No, and, you didn't have to like, worry, and both
0: of them reached their peak at Oregon. And, and know, with, they were, they were, with Cam Ward, and I'm Oregon. not saying
1: that he. he And with Cam Ward, it's like, I'm not saying that he can't do that. Uh, You know, if if Cam Ward winds up at Oregon, you know, I'm going to be writing articles about, like, here's what you need to do in order to help this guy reach his potential. You know, uh, because I, I do think that that is a possibility. It's just that I've spent like three years now or whatever it's been you know, watching film and writing articles about like here's here's all the things that happens you know that that you know that goes wrong, and it's not just something that could be corrected by giving him better pocket protection. the way that like the flaws in Bo Nix's game at Auburn could be described by just you know could be fixed by just giving him better pocket protection, so like yeah that, I mean yeah that, that was a. That was a long-winded way of saying that, like, yeah, Gabriel, on the other hand, like, you sort of, and, like, the other thing about Gabriel is that he, this, this would be, like, his fifth, I mean, like, because he starts out at UCF for those two years, you know, 19 and, and 20 under Hypol. And then Heifel goes to Tennessee, and he gets that year with Gus Malzahn, although he gets hurt and he only plays for, like, three games. So that's why he redshirts. So, like, 2020 doesn't count, and then and 2021 is his redshirt year. So then he transfers to, to Tennessee, or excuse me, to, to, to Oklahoma in 2022. And then he has, he continues, like, it's weird because he, his passer rating for his first four years is, like, almost identical. It's, like, 155. You know, all four years, but then this last year it jumps to 172, and it's like, aha, he made the breakthrough. You know, like, and that's why I say, you know, it's like, you know, he the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, that's just like his third different coach. I think his fourth different offensive coordinator, like, or, you know, or offensive system, um, and, and he still had his breakthrough. At, you know, as a fifth-year senior. And it's, and, and, and coming, you know, if he comes to Oregon as a sixth year, it'll be his sixth year after he's had his breakthrough with his, like, what'll that be? Fourth different head coach, like fifth different system. Like, I'm not worried about him. Like that dude's shown he's a pro and that he's like finished and he can handle it. You know, that, that's why like, yeah, I'd be, I, you know, I'd be fine with that. I, I'd be very fine yeah. with that. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be worried about like oh no can this guy <laughs> handle a different kind of system you know whereas like what are the systems that Cam Word has played in hmm it's been only one kind of system hmm yeah 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 all right I think that'll do it for us this week uh it's getting kind of uh, uh the the weather's sort of coming down and it's getting getting me down too uh I don't know how you, how you feeling this week it, it's sort of weird we're in this liminal space where like football is over but it's not over so what are we going to talk about for the next month you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah i, I mean it'll it, it'll it'll be different for sure i think the one thing to just hang your hat on is that um as a duck fan you have a chance for bo nix to go out the way like you said that, that he should go out in a blaze of glory so just you know keep on hoping that maybe he puts up some sort of five six touchdown 400 something yard performance and just goes out the way he deserves to
1: yeah, I like that thought, man. The, it, the, the, the skies are getting darker, the days are getting shorter, but we still have a chance of uh, seeing uh, that guy go out in a blaze of glory. And of course, doesn't matter how dark the skies get. It never rains in this podcast.